I would like to give a warm welcome to this week's Mid-South Moments, a very special guest host. It's Fowl Original of the very popular wrestling YouTube page of the same name. Fowl, welcome to the show and thank you very much for your time this evening. Uh, thank you, man. Uh, this uh, this is like such a trip. Uh, it's such a cool thing to be watching a promotion that I've heard of but never really had a reason to go and watch. So thank you for being on here. No, absolutely. And it, um, I mean, what what more could you want than two Brits talking about a nine, mid 1980s promotion from um, sort of Oklahoma, Louisiana, etc. I mean, you know, what other voices on earth are more qualified than us to talk about this? So um, before we get on to Mid-South, I'm really interested to know sort of how you came about um, starting your YouTube page, because I mean, some of the numbers that you've got, especially for the watch along shows, which I, I, I'm not even sure I really even knew was a thing. So tell me about your journey to where, you, where you've got to today with just an epic amount of content. So, um, so today I, I, I hit 4,000 subscribers, like Congratulations. That's incredible. And the other, like there's two big milestones I hit today. Um, and I've just broken for the channel as a whole, a million views. Like it's insane. That uh, is mad. That's so cool. That's really incredible. And like, I hate talking about the numbers because like I've come from, I did loads and loads of things coming up to doing this youtube channel about professional wrestling like i started with a video back in 2016 so the channel is four years old this year and uh, it was started in march i did a video on roman reigns and that did 20,000 views in like a day and i was like oh <laughs> i did a video. How, ask, how, so how, how did you did you do you build did you build up twitter first or how did you you know, what was your what was the secret to this? I'm sure I'm sure it's loads and loads of hard work, but that I mean, those are that's just a phenomenal number. It really is incredible. It's like for me, I I love wrestling. So back in 2016 on YouTube, I looked at people like WrestleMania. I looked at people like Top Ten Wrestling. I looked at people like Polana Productions, and I saw these amazing content creators, and I was like, I want to do something like that. So I did the Roman Reigns video, and then I wanted to do a top 10. So I did top 10 wrestlers who murdered someone, allegedly. No, I saw that, yeah, Quacky, what, yeah. what, what a title, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who was number, I didn't, yo, I didn't have a chance to watch that. Who was number, what, dare I ask who number one was in that? It's, it's obviously Benoit. Like, yeah, and it is, yeah. No, was I so... what, I'm just going to tell you a very, very quick, not to interrupt, I'm just going to tell you a very quick story about Chris Benoit and that whole, like, horrible thing. So... I went to WrestleMania 20 with a couple of friends and we had a meet and greet with Benoit and Rey Mysterio. And Benoit was, again, this is not in no way connected to anything that happened through his life, but Benoit was really odd. Like, I don't know if he was nervous, didn't want to be there, whatever. You know, he said, um, you know, I really hope you win on Sunday. Barely got a grunt back at him. Anyway, that that horrid day happened. Um, and it's like, I don't know what it was like for you, but like people at work, like all over the news are saying like printing articles off the internet. Like, have you seen this? Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I was really struggling to get to sleep that night. And I just remember, I was like, and I really started freaking out because in the drawer of my bed, like underneath where I was sleeping, was a, was a signed Chris Benoit uh, picture. And I was just like, this, it freaked me out so much. I was like, what, what do you do with something like that? And actually, in the end, I think I just chucked it away. But it's just like, that's kind of freaked me out a bit to have that, like, literally right next to me while I was sleeping, given everything that's just happened. So, sorry to interrupt. But yeah, that's just a, a quick, quick interlude on on Chris Benoit, what a, yeah, what a horrid thing, especially for anyone that was a sort of big fan of his, which is, uh, yeah, horrible. Sorry, um, Fal, back over to you. No, like, so that video is now about to hit 
and like again crazy numbers i don't really look at the numbers 750,000 views oh, like yeah that you know on its own just brings people into the channel and mm. i've kind of stopped doing that kind of content but again in 2016 it was a product of its time it's a very clickbaity title a very emotionally wrought title yeah something yep. that everyone kind of wants to know about and wants to know some of the story there's a lot of speculation about that but that's again something that i made then i went off and did like live streaming on periscope and i was like a blogger for a little bit oh, interesting okay yeah and like met up with a blogger over there and like we went around filming in new york like it's it's just some crazy stuff happened in my life as well as on this journey i kind of kicked back into it in 20 2018 actually mm. and i started watch alongs I just randomly did a watch along for the Royal Rumble on my phone in the living room of the shared house that I'm in. And it did like 30,000 views. And I remember going, oh my God, what is this? I was just on my phone. It's like the most terrible thing in the world. And that's kind of what I wanted to do from then on. I started establishing a YouTube presence by doing a weekly show, testing myself with the live stream skills that I'd learned. And that's where like some of the cool random stuff that happened in my show comes from that's all from live streaming periscope um, and yeah. i came back to this via wrestling twitter i made a decision at the end of 2018 that i was going to put myself out there and that's when i made a nuisance of myself on wrestling twitter an absolute nuisance of myself <laughs> like the end of 2018 all the way through to the beginning of 2019 um follow there were loads of follow trains and i met some awesome people and i was on my road to a thousand subscribers started doing collabs with all of wrestling twitter because there was this feeling that people didn't want to work together because there was some animosity or something but once i just did roundtables and brought five different podcasts on technically it was hard like we're both in the uk so trying to logistically figure out how to get someone from texas someone yeah, from idaho yeah. from australia all at the same time into the same room um it was great and it's been great fun so since that point um it's just doing stuff and i love talking about wrestling and i found a really great community on twitter especially now the twitter came after the youtube channel okay. but it's definitely helped like it's great on twitter being able to speak to people like sean rossap like just yes, like yeah. people. i met wrestlelamia on twitter and got to have an interview with him on my remote wrestling show that i did and it blew my mind being able to speak to the inspiration of everything that i did um a, a lot of people talk about like secret source and like if i started a wrestling youtube channel right now what would i do or what would i do differently um i i branded foul original as like an alter ego and he's become a lot more of me as the years have gone along um i say be you and do a channel where like for example this like if you really want to talk about mid-south wrestling talk about it because yeah, people yeah. find you people will want this and like i did some research about mid-south on the way in and it's like there's not a lot out there like and that gives someone that's found that niche something really special like some of the content that i've got coming up um over the next few months is going to be tna related and there's an exclusive tna related I'm, I'm writing up some of the scripts as we speak and it's because tna is coming back soon and yes. there's not a lot 
they're on TNA. And it's, for me, I find that niche. I find that trend, hopefully. And I put something out that I would want to watch. That's my always my golden rule. Would I watch it? If I'd watch it, then I don't care if it gets 10 views or it yeah, gets 10. Because you've enjoyed watching it and, and, and doing the, doing whatever content you are related to that show, basically. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, there's never going to be a wrong opinion. I think that a lot of people put a lot of stock on opinions about wrestling. Everyone's got an opinion about wrestling. That's your own opinion. Wrestling is very subjective, just like many different other art forms. And I think that there should always be a place for voices. Like, when I did, when I do my show now, like I will, and I've recently reached out to people, I've got a new concept coming out. It's going to be a lot of fun, something that should hopefully challenge me. And when I speak to these people, I don't care if they've got a hundred followers on Twitter. I don't care if they've got a hundred thousand followers on Twitter, because that's just a perception, a perceptive number. Like it doesn't really mean anything. And I say to people like it can open doors like to, to things but it doesn't like define you and it doesn't mean so like it's really weird when people throw out like their numbers and mean that to mean something guess they're milestones but they should never be used like to ever like not appear on a show or something like i've had many people that have spoke to me that said that last wrestlemania they did a lot of shows with people and now people have kind of forgot about them and it's like it's not anything like that. It's just everyone has their own way that they're doing things like you produce your content, I'm producing mine. Like everybody finds it hard. There's a lot of podcasters out there. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, find your niche, find your niche and just just roll with it. Yeah, absolutely. And that and that you 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 touched on it completely. I was I was doing this for um a guy that's now decided to move in move away from podcasts and go into what of wrestling puppetry which is interesting you may you may or may not have seen him on on twitter um but yeah it's just just thinking about you know what is what is not really out there. i think there's maybe maybe a couple of mid-south podcasts but no sort of real great penetrations that yeah it's really just for fun having listened to podcasts for so long so, so Fal, tell me what what got you into wrestling what was your kind of what's your earliest memories and your sort of introductory era into into pro wrestling so we're both in the uk so we had wrestling came to us in a very interesting way like i i first started watching wrestling uh would have been wwf stuff on vhs uh cousins brought it around when i would have been like five or six possibly um and i saw stuff like hogan so i saw like hulkamania happen on vhs um my first like i was able to watch it in the comfort of my own home would have been wcw wcw worldwide on it yeah yeah uh, and I got to watch WCW Worldwide. It was randomly unlike Saturdays. And I can remember um, being about five or six. And it was during like fasting season. And during fasting season, you got to be up quite early in the morning. And it also used to come on at like 4 a.m. So I can remember like eating some food and watching uh, someone get carried out on a stretcher in an old WCW match and uh, like getting ready to go wake up for the rest of the morning. So yeah, WCW World. Oh, that's a great memory. Um, that's, a, that's a great memory, isn't it? That, that's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, so yeah, WCW World War back on ITV back in the day, wasn't it? So yeah, that's, um, unfortunately, I meet, a lot of my friends watch that, because I'm a Fulham fan, which is a, another strange 
crossing over of worlds given the AEW stuff. But yeah, I always we used to go every Saturday, so I, I missed all that. So yeah, I, loads of loads of my friends that my contemporaries, I'm 38 now, that they remember all the Steiner Brothers, Stings, and Ric Flair stuff. But a lot of that stuff sadly passed me by really. Um, so that's probably early 90s, I guess, sort of, sort of similar time to similar time to me, I suppose. Yeah, and like I I loved wrestling back then. Wrestling was it was like a really cool thing that I was allowed to watch. There was a lot of entertainment from America, especially that I wasn't able to see because it might have seemed risque or something. And wrestling, like for some reason, like I was able to watch wrestling and Baywatch. Yeah. <laughs> And these are like the most risque of shows that I would think. Because you'd be like, no, nah, it's cool. Cool. You can watch this. Uh, can I see some pillow talk in an episode of The Love Boat? No. Next channel. Like, <laughs> you can see Pamela Anderson running very, very slowly along the beach. But yeah, absolutely. That's that, that's how interesting. But the, yeah, but like that, isn't it? There's, there's always these like things that people consider. I mean, when you think about wrestling, it's, cool. it's, it's pretty violent. Even, even the stuff back in the... The early nineties, before Sky like brought their kind of sensors in for stuff. You, you, I remember uh, I was talking about this in the last uh, couple of weeks ago when there's an angle about maybe like nineteen ninety with Dustin Rhodes and Dusty Rhodes just before Dusty left WWF, and it was really violent stuff like Ted DiBiase and Virgil. And this is probably on Sky One at like six o'clock in the evening. But I suppose, but then you know, it is it is different, isn't it? For some reason, I suppose there's that always that underlying feeling of no this isn't real um did did you always did you always have an inkling that this was that, yeah it was a it was a show rather than a legitimate sporting contest or was there a kind of eureka moment where you thought actually this isn't exactly quite as i thought so um so like my mom was really supportive of all my craziness like i always like to say it like that like anytime i had like some kind of passion and that was slightly outside of the norm she would nurture it and I have to say uh, like that's the one thing that like my mom always allowed me to do things that I probably wasn't allowed to so wrestling we went to um see um we went to uh Florida Disney World in 96 and when we went there like I was going to go and see the Main Street Parade so it was the 1 p.m Main Street Parade or it was a WCW house show oh fantastic yeah like, I've turned up in the US. My mom's asking me, do I want to go to the Main Street Parade? She's desperate to go to this parade, yeah. And I'm like, can we go to the WCW show? Bless <laughs> part. Like, got in the queue. We went to the queue. There was no one in the queue. Straight into the house show. Um, and I got to see a WCW house show in 96 um, in MGM Studios. And it was fantastic. But that's the eureka moment. There was a point during one of the matches, I believe Johnny B. Bad was involved and Hacksaw Jim Duggan and like there was a point in the match when I remember like I was looking around the bleachers because we were sat on bleachers and like there was like I think it was Duggan was trying to get the crowd to like start stomping and then people started stomping and he reacted and started to get up from it and I remember I was like ah there's something going on here (laughs) and like I remember like at home, I couldn't understand any of that. I didn't really seem to pick that up, that nuance. But the second that I was there, I was like, ah, there, there is something going on. Because then, like, I remember thinking, when we're quiet, he's not getting up. There is just, yeah, there's something. So that was my eureka. Oh, that was my interesting. Yeah. behind the magicians, behind the mask of the magician kind of situation. And, um, yeah, but I still loved it. I just remember, like, looking around and going, like, aha, I figured this out. Like, yeah no that's great do you remember what the main event for that show was um i think it was that which was johnny be bad versus oh, was it? okay 
That might have been like TV title, or maybe, or maybe Hacksaw Jim Duggan was US champion. Then actually, who knows? But that, yeah, that's oh, that. What what a what a real niche show. Is that was that was your first live show, presumably then? Yeah, like yeah. and it was fantastic. Like it was absolutely fantastic. I got yeah, to see- what a brilliant show to be the first one. Like absolutely niche. Like ne- no one else. Like mine's bog standard. Summertime '92. Like it, like everyone that like wrestling around that time went to that show. Yours is like no one else in the UK would have had that as their first wrestling show. That, that's just, that's great, really. I think that's perfect. Yeah, and like like um, SummerSlam '92, like I can remember seeing that everywhere. Like I really wanted to go to it. Um, I couldn't, but like I remember having like trading cards from it. Like, and it was really weird to go to a WCW show as my first show mm. when a lot of the influence of my life had been WWF. Like. Uh, but yeah, it was kick-ass, and like I remember just thinking, like, just wait. And I like at the at the time, I didn't understand that it was a house show. I didn't understand the concept of house show. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I think I'd have been the same. Like, where are the cameras, and what is this for? Kind of thing. I think I would think. Yeah, like I was just like, when is this going to be on TV? And then I remember, like, I think on um, WCW Worldwide, like they talk about it being like six months behind. So I was like, well, I guess in six months, <laughs> this will be on. <laughs> I'm going to be on TV at this show. Yeah, great. Um, so around, so so that around that time. So I presume that um, for the kind of attitude era, the Austin sort of stuff, were you sort of really into the WRF going forward from? from years afterwards or did you did you stay in touch with sort of both promotions around that time so like my my relationship with wrestling was quite interesting like a lot of my relatives had cable and some had satellite and of a friday night i would go to one of these houses so if i went to a particular house it was cable i'd get to watch wcw if it was a particular house and they had satellite i'd get to watch sky and that would be raw on a friday night Mm. um as a lot younger i'm sorry as a younger guy up until like the year 2000 when obviously wrestling was really accessible to everyone um here in the uk uh i kind of watched both um, but i think i watched a lot more wcw um off and on than i would have wwf i caught up with a lot of wwf in i would have been like 98 99 kind of time Mm. Uh, but I was appreciative of both sides. They both gave me something different. And it was just, you know, like, and I always say, like, back in our day, there was no internet. So it's not like... No, there wasn't. Yeah. Ever was on the television. You want to watch... It would always be presented to me, like, because they knew people, people knew I liked wrestling. They were like, oh, look, your wrestling is on. Not WCW was, is on, or WWF. Your wrestling is on. You like this, don't you? And I'm like, yes, I do. Please play it up. Yeah. yeah, it was simpler time. I mean... I don't know. It's it's interesting um, now. It, it, is it better or worse for being able to? You know, you can you can. There's so many that you can listen to. Dave Mills, Wade Kelly, you name it. You can listen to these guys at the touch of a button. You can get all the latest news. Every, kind of every. Not. I don't think that the average crowd in America perhaps is, is so much in the know. But maybe 40, 50 percent of them maybe are. Um, but back then, you, you just didn't. You just didn't. You know, that wasn't that wasn't a thing, was it? Here, here's a really niche question for you. Did you ever phone the Power Slam Wrestling Hotline? If you the, the Finn Martin magazine, I, I, I suspect you're probably aware of Power Slam magazine around that sort of late '90s sort of time. Yeah, so I never, um, I never telephoned a wrestling like premium line, but mm. I called the Nintendo premium line several times. Did before. you? Okay, 
so that that's, I remember being on a hol- on holiday with my first girlfriend at a um, a caravan park in Bognor Regis, and the, the invasion pay per view was on Channel Four, so I was able to stay up and watch it in the caravan. And the next night, even though I know I knew all the results, I got a load of pound coins from the bar at this like caravan park and phoned the powers and hotline, which for shame I can still remember the telephone number of, which was oh nine oh six five double six seven six hundred i can always hear finn martin saying it into my ears just because he would give like little snippets of opinion and a little bit of news it's like I, that, that that probably cost me like eight nine quid i, I can't imagine doing something like that but that was the thing like there was no it wasn't even just the the, the lack of internet it was because because for a long time after that like the like the benoit day for example that was getting home from work um and logging on to a desktop and that's where your internet access was it wasn't like it is today where you're you're constantly uh, attached to a device where you can get news up to the minute. It was it was kind of a different sort of internet, wasn't it, really? So, yeah. Here's another one for you. Was there ever a time that you sort of moved away from wrestling? Yet, did you ever have a sort of a gap in your your fandom, or have you been pr- pretty consistent throughout? So, um, so yeah, I had like um due to like work like i used to always find time for raw and smackdown every single week and like i used to always find time for impact as well and all the pay-per-views um because i worked a really weird schedule which meant i worked like unsociable hours so i was generally tended to be off on like a monday morning so i could stay up and watch like the whole yeah and then i moved into like more of a job where I didn't have time to watch wrestling that much. And I took a bit of a break would have been like, mm, like 2010, 11 ish for a few years. And then punk brought me back. Like I always say oh, this, like, so yeah, carry on. Sorry. Carry on. Yeah. Such a cliche, but punk brought me back because I kept in touch with wrestling. Like I was like, Oh, that's an interesting thing that happened. That's an interesting thing. But I didn't come back like properly until I was like, so CM Punk just like, did he just get himself fired? Like, like is that this is legit, isn't it? Like, yeah. and I didn't know. And I remember because for such a long time, it was lol Cena wins, and I just fell away from it. It was slow, um, but it was it was slowly like I didn't watch Raw every week. I just watched the pay per views. I didn't watch SmackDown anymore. And then now I've come back to it, but now I treat it a little bit more like. I watch the wrestling shows that I want to watch every single week and I don't mind having like a a recap of some shows whereas before I'd be like no I'm gonna sit here and watch the whole of a three-hour raw why because I'm hardcore now I'm like "Uh, yeah there's way more things to do in the world and uh, wrestling to waste time on bad now I think yeah that's my view yeah yeah YouTube cultaholic what culture i mean i would happily watch simon miller doing ups and downs of a show um and go okay i want to go back and watch that specific match then i'm gonna sit there and watch the whole thing like dynamite is great every week i've been like enthralled by dynamite but other shows i've watched the whole way through and then like smackdown on occasion and i've been like well i should have just gone to sleep early that night shouldn't i yeah yeah, I completely agree. I, the punk thing is interesting. So I've always, I've always personally found myself more invested. So I, I had a bit of a gap around. I, I watched WCW from the time it came on TNT in about '96, I suppose that would have been. But I, I fell away from WWF after Michael's lost the title to Bret Hart. 
Um, were you more of a Bret Hart man or a Shawn Michaels man? Or both? You don't have to be, it doesn't have to be exclusive to one one or other. I was like, see, that's the thing. That was the the time when I didn't really watch WWF as much. Oh, I kind of okay, came yeah. more during the Bret screwed Bret angle. Like, it was some someone came into school school and they were like do you know what happened yesterday at survivor series i was like no i do not but please do tell and yeah. then that got me back into it um more so because that was the hot angle like i'd been i'd, I'd been brought in by the nwo not that long before like yes. it's interesting like the way that wrestling focused my attention yeah no absolutely i was gonna say that i think that for, for me i think it's the same for you when i when there's a particular character that i'm really invested in a a sort of favorite and i guess in sort of chronological order, it's kind of like right at the beginning, Randy Savage, and then Bret Hart, Steve Austin, and then a big gap really through to Punk. I mean, Austin's last match was 2003, and there really wasn't anything that. I mean, there were guys that I liked in that time, but there wasn't anyone that I would say, look, I'm I'm really invested in this in this particular character. Then it was Punk, and and now I guess the closest thing now is probably Osprey, a British guy, and. You know, hopefully it's on the way up in New Japan, but we we all know it's going to be years and years the way their booking goes before I actually get some proper elevation. But did you, have you found that over the years, if you're really invested in a particular character, you just find yourself, you know, gravitating to that product a little bit more than you would do if it's just, you know, I like these, I like this group of guys. There's not one particular one that sort of stands out for me. Yeah, like I mean, there's there's like Rob Van Dam. I'm a massive Rob Van Dam fan, and I first discovered him when the invasion happened, and then I went back and started watching a lot of his stuff, and I followed. I was I was just like amazed at what this guy could do, and like his whole gimmick and everything that he did. I followed him to TNA. Um, and I remember like having like big hopes for this guy, like Mr. Anderson, Mr. Kennedy yeah. was a wonderful. There are these certain people that I remember like picking out, like AJ, when I first saw Samoa Joe, when I saw him in TNA, I remember going, oh my God, this guy is fat, but he can do good things. Yes. And like straight away, like relatable, relatable straight away. And I was like, <laughs> I love this guy, Joe. And there were just certain guys that I just followed them wherever they went, like the, the Young Bucks and the Elite, yes. they brought me to New Japan. Yes. They took me to ROH and then they took me and they, they showed me enough of New Japan to make me stay there. Um, but then they took me to AEW. Those are some guys that I've been so invested in them. Like when I started my YouTube channel, part of it was because I was watching what they were doing. Yeah. Um, and they, I followed them around the whole of their companies that they've gone to. Like Cody is one of those guys as well. Um, it's it's really interesting you're right like when when you are invested in a specific character like you will just i think sometimes you stay with bad wrestling as well because you're like oh they can do better i think that's been a lot of like shinsuke nakamura's run in the wwe as well like it's for like oh but you can do so much come on maybe yeah. this time you'll do it uh and it's been a shame but that's just the way that booking goes i guess in the wwe um and yeah, like I think, uh, especially when I went away from wrestling, it was because I think all that was left was like Cena, um, Sheamus was knocking about, and I just kind of felt a bit burnt out from all of it. And I think that's like um, I talk to a lot of people, and they say like they grow up and they grow out of wrestling, but yeah. they come back 
stuff like AEW, they come back to stuff like NWA. I know that the power, um, and I know so many people that would watch something like a Mid-South show and be like, that's a really interesting thing. Like, that's a really interesting find. Um, just the star power on this show, the shows that we've watched alone. I was watching it, I was like, oh my god, that's Nikolai Volkov. What yeah, is he doing here? Yeah. Like, why is Junkyard Dog, like, such a big deal here? Like, um, I, I kind of forget that kind of stuff. No, it's it's mad that they're they're Rossard. One one more quick question for you, then we'll then we'll, we'll push on with with the show. What's it, so what is what's your what's your tend to be your what tends to be your weekly viewing habits now? Are, are there stuff that you can't miss, or there are bits and pieces that you tend to watch, but you're, you're sort of not too bothered if you if you if you do miss it, kind of thing. So so obviously I do watch alongs. Um, yes, yeah, I have to do shows specifically on my youtube youtube.com such file original wrestling i do my my youtube show and when i'm doing that i put weird stuff in the background and do weird live screen stuff because why not because why not life's too short gotta yeah, experiment absolutely. if it's a six hour show my god i'm gonna try some weird stuff in there <laughs> um uh, just to keep me sane but um so my weekly habits right now would be Mondays, um, there's been some New Japan recently, so I'll try and watch New Japan, but on a week by week, Monday will be blank day. Do I want to catch up with some stuff? On a Tuesday, NWA Power. Oh my God. I that need to show. Watch this show. I've not watched it yet, yeah. and everyone is raving about it, so I need, I need to uh, find a weekend to catch up on this. Did you love it so much? It's, it's, just, it's just perfect. It's something which is so different, but so familiar but so special and like and it's just the presentation but anyway nwa power so that's every tuesday um i'll try and watch dark as well um if i can on a tuesday if not i'll catch that on a wednesday aew's dark um wednesday dynamite so i'll do a dynamite watch along which starts our time 1 a.m uh eastern 8 p.m then i gotta go to work the next day so i finish that like 3 a.m um how do you do? How do you do that? Are you just good on like on no sleep, or is it just something you've got you've got used to? A bit of both. Um, like I, I always, as a wrestling fan in the United Kingdom, there were always times when you'd have to go into work slash school on zero yeah. on a Monday because WrestleMania had finished at seven a.m. God damn it, and <laughs> you've got to go. Like you just you just turn tail and go into work. Um, so I've done that quite a lot. And on a Thursday, um, so yeah, I'll watch Dynamite. I'll watch that live on Fight. Um, Fight have been awesome to me over the past. Fight TV have been awesome to me over the past like year. Um, people behind the scenes, they're like Ivan, Joel, Kim, Michael. They're all bloody awesome people. And right. like, they've had a lot of faith in me to do some weird stuff. And like they're always really supportive. So I've been able to do like giveaways and stuff. So I do like the watch alongs and if you watch it on fight, which now obviously I think they're kind of coming off ITV. Um, if what's happening is happening, ITV box office is closed then everything comes through them, but um, they do like a two hour. So I do my watch along alongside that on a Thursday. Um, I will catch up with um, it kind of depends then. So Thursday will be maybe catch up with dark, possibly watch NXT Um if I've got time, NXT, I tend to now do via like ups and downs. I don't really watch it unless it's a go home show. Yeah. Um, I'll try and squeeze in raw possibly on a Thursday as well. Um, Friday is um, I, 
I end up watching SmackDown anyway on a Friday. Um, um, or pay-per-views. There have been NWA pay-per-views and ROH pay-per-views. And then Saturday is like... It just seems to be that every week more wrestling comes up. But um, for me, I do a show on a Wednesday and a Sunday where I talk about the wrestling week's news. And so on a Sunday, I'll tend to watch a New Japan if there's New yeah. Japan uh, um, and there's anything I've missed. I've been watching a bit of Major League Wrestling and a show called Makai, which is where Hikaru Shida from AEW. Oh, yes, is. yes. And it's just amazing. It's like Kabuki theater, but with professional mm. wrestling. There is no English. There is no like tangible story in the sense of what unless what's happening on screen and uh there's like mystical battles with ninjas and stuff like it's really cool <laughs> so, so she's great i think she's really cool. I, i'd like her to be featured a bit more actually i i, I don't mind ruho's great as well but i i do quite like how she does i wonder whether maybe she should have been the first champion i don't know i, I think she's really really great um and, and with big upside as well um yeah, sorry. So, so, so that gets you pretty much. So where were you? Saturday or sun, Sunday? Or on Saturday, Saturday sorry. Yeah, And then like, there's been GCW Game Changer Wrestling recently, so I watch a bit of that sometimes on a Saturday. Um, then like maybe some older stuff. So like, this is why when I talked about this, like watching Mid South, it was great because I haven't really had a chance to go back and watch old stuff for a long, long time. Um, because even though I watch a stupid amount of wrestling every single week um i also watch other stuff like like i'm big into like the dc animated sorry dc extended tv universe even so like Flashverse, arrowverse stuff so like i'm watching all of that and then i'll also be watching the card but that's become like my friday like wrestling fits around everything that i watch um right. and then i also have recently started watching uh future stars of wrestling where killer cross recently was like um i've just been watching a hell of a lot of wrestling but yeah that's saturday sunday and then obviously sunday is normally a pay-per-view day so if there's a pay-per-view going on i have a watch along <laughs> uh which normally starts at 10 p.m and normally ends at about four or five in the morning oh, i don't know how i don't know how you do it. i'm i'm jealous that you can, you've been able to find a way to find the time to watch this wrestling because i i consistently struggle to watch as much as I, I would like to so I'm, I'm sort of dipping in and out and, and trying to try my best I do watch AEW everywhere that's pretty much and I, and I try and stay up to date with New Japan as much as possible but yeah Raw and Smackdown um I had a bit of a moment early this year and I, th I think I just pretty much gave up on WWE which was um I'll go into quickly was I, I don't remember the Raw after WrestleMania but they had the Kofi Kingston and Seth Rollins title for title match and they and you're thinking well you know, I've watched wrestling for so long. They're not, they're not going to unify the titles here. But then, actually, as Vince McMahon woken up, it's like, why have I got two titles? I'm going to unify them. And they had the, the, the most loyal crowd. I was there in the crowd at the Barclays Center. The most loyal crowd from all around the world. And you're going to give them a screw job in this main event that you didn't even need to put on if you didn't want them to. And the whole, cr whole crowd starts trying the bullshit chants, AEW, etc. Since then, I've not, I don't think I've, I've watched the SmackDown draft episode, which is one of the worst wrestling episodes of any, worst TV episodes of any wrestling show I've ever seen with like the, the puppets and stuff. But it's, you know, like the, big mascot things but apart from that I, I, I watch the pay-per-views as much as I can but I just can't I just haven't got the the life for watching trying to watch Raw but I, I massively respect the fact that you, you, you're able to watch all that wrestling and not not just be sort of totally brain scrambled but as you as you've you been through it there's a lot of really good stuff in there it's just um 
it's just picking through the the not so good and, and making time for the good stuff really it's it's like um i like you said like brain frazzled after wrestle kingdom weekend this year which mm. was two days um in january like i have like this almost like wrestling hangover so like after watching that much wrestling especially when it's like six seven eight hours like i'll go out into the real world and like for a second or so like it's is there is a lot of it and this because it's also good so i i do have to kind of have little breaks so that's why i won't always watch wrestling every single day and there will be times i'll I'll just watch a, you know, I'll, I'll watch a Simon Miller ups and downs. I'll watch a What Went Down or something because I don't have time to watch a three-hour show, especially if most of it is terrible. Um, but I, I think that the product at the moment isn't that bad. It caters to different people. That SmackDown episode was terrible for so many reasons, but it was also like specifically what a Fox audience would watch. So, like, I, I think that, especially over here in the UK at the moment, we have WWE programming now on Channel 5, Raw and SmackDown, in a shortened version. Mm. We have it on Paramount. We have it on BT Sport. Like, if you wanted to just watch WWE programming, um, we're getting the XFL on BT Sport. Like, that's insane. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know. Yeah, Actually, by the time this comes out, we'll have, we'll have had the first weekend of games. But I, I, didn't, I didn't know that. That's really interesting. Yeah. So, like, like, as part of the package deal that Vince did with BT Sport, obviously, he found himself an outlet for the <laughs> XFL as well. Like, how well, crazy. I can't believe that. That's incredible. I tell you what, I'm, I'm, as soon as we're done... I'm looking up when the first game is and I'm going to record it because I'm very, very interested in that. So, yeah, that's great. I, I definitely want to do a watch along for that mm-hmm. because first because last time the XFL happened, there was no way. Like, that's what I mean. Like, it's so interesting that all these things have come back like AEW, like in a way WCW and like the XFL, the XFL. Like, they're both coming back, but in a time where we can watch them live in the UK yeah. at the same time. Like, it's a great time. Um and I'm really excited for it, but but yeah, so that's uh that's my wrestling week, and yeah, I'm gonna try and slide potentially XFL in there if I can. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm 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 legitimately excited about that XFL now. I'm looking forward to catching some of that over the weekend. So um, let's I tell you what, let's um let's move on to the Mid South Review now. So we're looking at the February 18th, 1984 episode. Um, so we've sort of briefly talked about this already so this is this pretty much your first sort of intro into the world of of mid-south oh yes like i i'd heard about it for a long long time i hear about it you you hear about it and you see snippets of it in wwf well wwe documentaries um but i never ever watched an episode um and i got to watch two so um yeah it was really good like, yeah, okay. it really was. I mean, these last two episodes, I think I've been pretty fantastic. It's quite simple stuff. The only thing that I think is missing, and it's, really, it's a real shame, they talk about this at the start, is that um, you didn't get Bill Watts on commentary during the first two episodes. Now, when I first, I think I'm probably about 14 or 15 episodes in now, um, and he was really, he's really grating. And if you, if you carry on watching it or dipping, dipping out, he, he's quite great to start off with, but he's pretty much like the narrator. I'd say he's more of a narrator than he is a commentator. He he knows, all, obviously, because he's booking it, but he knows all the storylines, all the buttons that he wants to push. And and, and apart from the odd, mo- odd, odd moment, but I suppose if anything from mid-80s, there's going to be some comedic moments in there. 
and most of them unintentional. But he he just leads you through. And quite a lot of wrestling fans, you're sitting there thinking, oh, oh, well, that doesn't make sense or that doesn't make sense. And all of a sudden, Bill Watts, more often than not, will pop up and explain it. And he'll give some reason, like why is Junkyard Dog as, as uh, North American champion their top title in a tournament for the TV title, which is presumably lesser of a title than the top one. And he explained it. And it's like, brilliant. He's, he's done it. He's done exactly what you want as a wrestling fan. And like you'd get in any other show. But as wrestling fans, sometimes we're sort of expected to, oh, you shouldn't ask that, you know, minutiae questions kind of thing. Um, anyway, he basically moving into the episode. So Watts is not there that week because, um, sadly, this is just a few days after the, the passing of David Von Erich. And Boyd Pierce, um, the commentator, basically said that he's not there because Watts is great friend, great friends with the Von Erichs and is in, attending the funeral in Dallas. Um, and then we have Jim Ross moving forward and he holds up the TV title brackets on the infamous cardboard um, that I think has been shared. <laughs> on Twitter. What did you think of these brackets? I did. So, like, I, I re-watched um, episode 231 just beforehand. And like, I love those brackets. Yeah, I love well. the fact, yeah. I love the fact that the amount of effort that went to it, because it's not just like a black and white. Like, there's like, a, like there's logos, like designed mm-hmm. logos in crayon on there. Uh, not crayon, that would be highlighter or something. And like, Jim Ross tries hard as he can, yeah, to not rip it or do anything yeah. bad. To it. It's like, <laughs> he's it's really filled, like a scroll. Up, yeah, he's really yeah, awkward he's... standing up with it. <laughs> trying to get it into shot and i remember thinking like it should have been on an easel or something but they wouldn't pay for like a canvas like no. they could have just put it on a canvas uh backboard on a canvas but yeah i i love the tv t- I, I love that like it was that far back that they realized that they needed some kind of graphic on screen but they just couldn't figure it out and like they yeah. just couldn't afford to do it so like you know what screw it well because you can even see when someone's been eliminated that their name has been crossed out yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean it's just it's just incredible they literally would have said you know who's got nice handwriting and who can who can knock this board up for us and, and as you say it wasn't it was just jim and it wasn't even you see it when jim ross picks it up we're only talking about like a, not not like we're not talking premium cardboard here. We're talking about they've been to their local stations. They've got like budget cardboard. They put this on. So it's, it's, yeah, it's these just, are it's these that. are some of the it's the same paper they use for the planted cards in the in the crowd. <laughs> like, yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. Um, so we've uh, Rock, uh, Jim, so back to this. Jim Ross says that last week they promised us girl wrestlers. Um, but unfortunately, their plane has been delayed, um, but they will be there next week. Um, so Reza, Reza Bowden is back. I'm re-announcing duty for the first time in weeks. Um, and he introduces Tom Lentz and Jerry Gray. Um, Jerry Gray, I thought, looked a little bit like a cross between Greg the Hammer Valentine and Lex Luger. Um, then if you would you spot that. There's another guy last week that looks like Noel Edmonds. Um, I'm trying <laughs> to think his name. Heggy. I don't know if you spotted that as well, but he's literally yeah, like Noel yeah. Edmonds' twin. Yeah, yeah, I think it was, was it uh, Weingroff? I think it was Weingroff. And, what, like, and Weingroff, apparently, they said in an earlier episode, was legally blind, so um, which makes his in-ring efforts um, even more impressive. So they have, uh, we have Tom Lentz and Jerry Gray versus the tag team champions, Magnum TA and Miss Wrestling 2. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think of Magnum TA here? So, so like... I watched the la- la- last week's episode, episode 231, and, like, so I watched that episode, and the first thing that, like, I knew about Magnum TA, but not a lot, and I was introduced to Magnum TA via the best ever music video, like, yes. of all time. The music video set to Sweet Dreams by yeah. the original. <laughs> Just and, incredible. 
oh my god and you know what yeah i was down so seeing like magnum ta with uh, mr wrestling 2 like i'm um i'm a big fan of magnum ta i didn't understand what his gimmick really was but i guess it's gigolo so uh <laughs> or cowboy is he I like mean, midnight cowboy he's kissing <laughs> one woman kissing another woman like, is it, like the, the videos are just just phenomenal i i, I said on the episode uh last week's episode that I just thought that's just the best thing I've seen in all these weeks of Miss Southwest. It was just so, so good. I mean, interestingly, a few weeks ago, I had a discussion about Magnum because he just radiates stars. So this whole storyline has been Magnum T.A. briefly had the top title in Mid-South. He lost it within a week. Um, and then he basically employed the service of Mr. Wrestling 2 um, to kind of, you know, coach him, etc. And right at the start of this angle, um, Mr. Wrestling 2 was quite tough with him in sort of a nasty way that's moved away a little bit as they feud with the midnight express um which is sort of a diversion on the path but as, as we'll go on to in a second it looks like there's hints of a turn coming up as well but the discussion i had was magnum i think his accident was in 86 and he, he didn't wrestle again after that but he was really 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 popular guy and after this obviously prime for world championship in 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 jim crockett and the nwa you just you do wonder would would he have been potentially someone that could have taken Jim Crockett, that babyface star years before Sting, who might have even been able to challenge, perhaps not challenge the WF with all their resources, but been there Hulk Hogan. I mean, he just had, he just radiated charisma. I mean, he and he was so crisp, he's so crisp in the ring in, the, in these sort of short squash matches where everything he does looks, looks great, I thought. Like, he... He to me is a star. Like, mm-hmm. I watch him, like, in that, ang- in this in this week's episode in 232, like, with with what he does with Mr. Wrestling. And like, yeah, that like tease at like potentially something happening in the future. Like he could have been massive. Like I look at people like him and like Rick Rude. I would have loved to see him and Rick Rude like team up as yeah. some kind of like really smarmy set of like better than you heels that went around and showed off like their, you know, like just them. Because look at them, god damn it. And then um yeah, exactly. I think I think it would have been great, and I think that they could have been someone like they, they could have. He could have been someone that could have taken Crockett to that that next level. But I look at the star power on these shows, and you can see that I kind of think that Vince might have taken him. Like Vince. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and then and then what happens? I mean, then then, you, then I, don't, I don't I don't know how what the age difference between Magnetia and Hulk Hogan was, um, or Magnetia and an Ultimate Warrior. But then you then you then you think well actually. WrestleMania six is that is that Magnum TA in that in that spot because he's he's, he's light years ahead of Ultimate Warrior in ring and you just mm-hmm. you, you do wonder I mean there's all there's all sorts of these sort of potential you know what what would have happened if this had happened kind of thing but I, I thought Magnum was a star but it, it, this is a pretty short match um, TA hits his really good looking belly to belly slam for the win to two thirty five um, and then we um, go back to the desk and Jim Ross says it's great to see Magnum TA and Mr Wrestling two working so closely without any friction. Um, and that may sound a little strange, but most fans have no way of knowing what's been going on over the last few weeks. Um, and they say that last week in New Orleans at the Lakefront, uh, Lakefront Arena, which is the site of Supercard of Honor in 2018, um, Cowboy Bill Watts is in the dressing room interviewing Junkyard Dog and Watts um, wants to speak to him about helping Magnity out on last week's episode. So basically what happens here is that um, they're talking to JYD about interfering, sorry, not interfering, about saving Magnity saving Mr. Wrestling 2 when he's about to have his mask taken off by the Midnight Express. Um, and in the background, Mr. Wrestling 2 and Magnum TA, basically they're doing press-ups, etc. 
Um, and basically what ends up happening is Grizzly Smith comes in and he says he's spoken to Charlie Lee and the board of directors and they've looked at the rankings and there's a new number one contender for the North American title. Smith says he wants to, to be the first to congratulate Magnum TA as he is that number one contender. And TA says that what all the work has been for and he shakes hands with JYD and the match will be on the up and up. So basically they're, they're setting up a future title match between Junkyard Dog and Magnum TA here. Um, and Mr. Wrestling 2 subtly turns his back in the background. And Watt says to Two, he must be proud of what he's done for TA. Two then says he thinks it stinks. Watts looks shocked. Two says that he told everyone he was going to make a man out of Magnum TA. And yes, he's had the title before, but with Dog's help. But he lost it a week later and he got overconfident. Two says that he would train Magnum as long as it didn't impact on his own career. And he's been the champion before. And he thinks that he's being overlooked here. And Watts says it doesn't mean that Mid-South has passed him by just because Magnum gets the next match. Two disagrees and reiterates that he thinks it stinks and walks off. So what did you think of this? What did you think of this segment backstage with, uh, with Watts, JYD, Mr. Wrestling 2 and Magnum TA here? So this kind of caught me up to speed, I guess, of what was happening in Mid-South because I didn't really understand why Mr. Wrestling was training him. And like last week I'd seen that... Um, yeah, like he'd been saved, but I kind of sort of felt like something was going on. And I loved this bit of like this beautiful little bit of storytelling, which is like it feels like it's part of a much larger story. And yeah, like I'm cool with like little teases of like future like situation happening. Um, so yeah, I was very down with this. Like everything about this show like i really appreciated like this kind of backstage segment for example over what would have been in like say the wwf like this was something that happened a while ago as opposed to something that happened like right now and it just gives some more gravitas to everything yeah i was down for it yeah absolutely it. And they, they don't do they, they they don't do this a huge amount in terms of cutting to um, house shows, different shows, but they, they do allude to sort of a universe existing outside of the TV show. Um, sometimes, sometimes I'll cut to um, an angle or something on a house show that, that's been taped, and this, this is a good example of it. So um, back at the desk, Ross says that he hopes the problems between TA and two will blow over. Um, and next up, we have another interview segment with the tag team champions, again, back at Lakefront Arena. Um, what says that two had left him flabbergasted and that he thought this was his goal along in taking on the coaching job of TA? Two says, why shouldn't he be upset? They are bypassing him and pushing him to the side. Watts says that doesn't mean Two won't get an opportunity in the future. And Watts asked Two if he thinks there's a conspiracy. And Two says there is. JYD knows he can beat TA, but he also knows that Mr. Wrestling Two would take the title away from him if they wrestled. Two says that he could beat Magnum. He taught him everything he knows, but not everything that he knows. Magnum TA, please, there's no competition between the two. And he just wants things to carry on as they are. And he doesn't ever want to wrestle him. Um, what starts with there's going to be cause any problems defending the tag team titles but again two says no it's not going to be a problem magnum knows who the boss is and there's clear clear signs of a turn here um and two interestingly says he's given him the opportunity to go out and get lovey dovey with all the girls but he knows he is the boss but he still thinks the overall situation stinks i mean i just thought this whole thing i, I really like the fact they they showed the earlier interview it's almost like they gave two a chance to sort of calm down if you like and go back to him to see if he still thought this but he's still you know i'm still gonna be a tag team it's not going to affect us i just thought that this 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 whole thing's been going on for probably about three months now and i thought this was a real real highlight um anything more to add on this um this segment before we before we move forward 
are great. Again, like for me, like not watching it on a regular basis, it's great world building. I'm like, my wrestling like sense started tingling. I'm like, ah, oh, something's going to happen. Like this is like, it feels like it's coming to a blow off. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the best turns are, I mean, I'm sure we think of plenty of examples, but the, the best turns are the ones where, you know, Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan is the obvious example, but the seeds are planted for a long time. And actually, this this could this could go on for another six eight weeks, maybe more, because they've, they've still got the tag team title match the Midnight Express to follow, which is which is obviously something that's going to happen at some point soon. Um, Ross on commentary says that two feels threatened by the rise of Magnum TA. And they recap the angle last week where JYD made the save for two when the Midnight Express tried to take off his mask and later the mass brawl in the episode. Um, so back at the desk, Ross says that when you're the number one man, everyone wants a shot at you, friend or foe. Um, and next up is the TV main event, the, the Junkyard Dog versus Nikolai Volkov in the TV title tournament. So Volkov is announced first and he's wearing his CCCP Moscow Olympics T-shirt alongside Darso. Did you catch what Darso had on the front of his in front of his blue t-shirt? Um, no. It said, I love Russia on the front. <laughs> and then on the back, it had Russia, hashtag number one, which hashtag probably didn't mean quite the same thing back then. Um, but that really tickled me that he just got this, this he just basically got into a shop somewhere in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, and asked him to print Russia, I love Russia on the front of a blue t-shirt. Um, Volkov sings what he he purports to be the national anthem, the Russian national anthem. Yeah, are you? Do you remember when he used to do this on WF pay per views and, and WF shows? Because this is not the same song. So I I wonder whether when he started this in the WF, Vince was like, you, you've got to learn the song. But in mid south, they're just like, just sound like you're singing something in Russian, and that's that's okay. Like so, I think uh, I seen Nikolai uh, Volkov in um in NWA recently. And- oh okay. And like, sorry, Nikita, uh, Nikita Volkov. Uh, it was Nikita actually, but Nikolai. Oh, Nikita, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But Nikolai, I think you're right. Like, it feels like one of those things, like that he do just to get out. Like, he didn't necessarily like because obviously a lot of those gimmicks back then, like people were playing people that they were playing the stereotype of that person. Yeah. So like, yeah. as long as it kind of sounded Russianish. Like it would be fine in mid south, but I think yeah, when it got to like the WWF, Vince is like, look, if you're gonna piss people off, we're gonna do it professionally. Yeah, we need <laughs> so to overdub it. Yeah, absolutely. So another one. So uh, another good, really good thing about watching these versions on YouTube rather than WWE Network is obviously you've got the original songs on this. So Queen's another one bites the dust hits, and JYD makes his ring to a good reaction from the crowd. And um, Darso and Volkov clear out the ring, and with JYD in there with his customary chain. Um, Terry Taylor makes his way down to the ringside to weave up the numbers. Um, the referees try and get Darso and Taylor out of the ring, and eventually they head out, and Darso hands Volkov what Ross describes as a hangman's rope. Um, Taylor sneaks behind him on the outside and rips it away. The bell rings, and JYD hits some punches and a big power slam for the win in just under 10 seconds with the crowd going crazy. Um, what do you think of the way they did this did this match in such, a, in such short order? Like, um, it's interesting to see how they how, how they did like a running angle in Mid South, and like especially something like this. Like last week as well, we saw that there was a match that should have been a big match, and then like there's a breakup quite quickly, and yes. everyone gets involved. Um, you know, to kind of save it for the pay per view, save it for the next house, or like back then, like save it for the big blow off show. And it's cool to see how they did it and it doesn't feel manufactured 
like it feels like every single person in that situation like terry taylor coming out has beef with darso from last week like he's coming out for that reason not just necessarily because he wants to help jyd like everybody comes out for a reason and all of these reasons do mean something later on so uh I'm, I like it. Like, again, I see kind of things that happen from this time and I can see how they could be applied now. Like, yeah, very, very easily. And they feel fresh. Yeah, it does. It's it's proper. As, as you say, I completely agree. You you just not, you, you've watched a couple of episodes of this. You know who everyone's feuding with. And you know why they're feuding with each other. And I, and I mm-hmm. think that the reason this was kept short is how I saw it is because I think Volkov overall has been kept very, very strong. In fact, this is a... On television, the heels are kept really, really strong in Mid-South. Um, there's obviously a lot of squash matches, but even even semi-non-squash matches with guys like Brian Adidas and Lanny Poffo. Like Poffo was pushed at the start, but not so much now. Um, th- these guys like Volkov and Darso will just beat them in like five minutes, and, and that's just the way it is. And I think the reason they kept this short is because it probably protected Volkov a little bit more to have him lose in a kind of short surprise victory rather than there being, you know, a, a back and forth and him losing in an even contest. Um, so next up, we've got a video package with the Rock and Roll Express. Now, I don't know what you thought of this, but I've seen this package now, I think, five times. So I'm going to... What did you think of this this Rock and Roll Express video package? I love it. <laughs> like, it's just so good. Like, it's... It's really interesting because I I've been watching the Rock and Roll Express in NWA uh, recently, NWA Power, and like seeing like how good they were back then and how good they are now, but just the awkwardness of the whole oh, video package, yeah. like it's like there's so many scenes when they just look at camera in this really weird like because it's into like the whole thing is them just hanging out in really cool cars, yeah, but. That's all they do. Hang out in really cool cars interspliced with like footage of their matches, which is really good because I guess like it's something that I've seen in the NWA as well, where like you could in theory like put a feud through that music video. Like you could, you know, show a feud through it. But for some reason, it just looks like they're advertising Corvette. Like oh, they're just they're, like... they're so obsessed with cars because obviously in the Magnum TA one they had this. So uh, the, the 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 first version of this video was I think four episodes ago and I absolutely loved it. Um, but they they've basically shown the same video every week thereafter. And I I got to the point where I saw this. I was like, I just don't want to see these guys standing next to a jukebox or walking into a building wearing the same t-shirt like ever again and I, I really do think if I was 15 years old when I saw seeing this for the first time watching Miss South I think I'd have hated these two guys because and then actually they go, you see them in ring and they're like absolutely fantastic you think well I think that would turn it around but it's like these two smug guys kissing loads of girls like looking like they've just made the best selection anyone's ever made in a jukebox and looking so pleased about it it's like come on just let them debut but thankfully in the next segment they do um, so Dale Veazey and Pat Rose, the opponents for the Rock and Roll Express, um, who came out to screams from the crowd to electric light orchestras, Rock and Roll is King. Um, and the Rock and Roll Express are wearing a rather nice pair of powdered blue ties. What did you th- what did you think of this? It's only a couple of minutes. Oh, no, actually, just under two minutes, actually. Uh, yeah, just under a couple of minutes, but quite short. What did you think of this one? Um, from what I've seen from the Rock and Roll Express up to this point, two minutes, pretty good match for them. Um, yeah. It was... 
it was good. Like they they're really smooth. Like they're really good in the ring. Um, I could understand why they would be so popular. Like they were doing some stuff back then that would have been would have been looked upon as magic. You know, some of some of the maneuvers, like like. I was watching one of the matches back earlier on. Um, I think like a power slam would win a match and they're doing like crazy arm drags and like, you know, I'm really big fan of that high impact, high spot kind of stuff and seeing it back then, especially um, it's something quite special. So yeah, I really love the rock run express. And after that, after the video package, I was so hyped for them anyway. Like the second (laughs) they were coming out, I was like, yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree. I think um, you, have to, you have to watch a bit more and, and see the Midnight Express as well because it's just, it's, it's just the same the same thing. I really want to find a match um, from from Rock and Roll Express and Midnight Express from around this time that's a yeah, proper 15, 20 minute match because the, the, those those two teams, Magnum TA at times, Hacksaw, Butch Reed, and actually to be fair, Kasha Darso, the future Demolition Smash is pretty good in ring as well. But those first first group of five guys are just so they're just just kind of another level and, they, and they're so smooth and as you say they the rock and roll express look like you could plug those two guys from february 1984 into new japan or, or i suppose i suppose or AEW obviously recently they have done um and their recent appearances but you could plug their versions and they'd go right in and they'd be just as good as everybody else if not better so yeah re- really really phenomenal um, so next up, we have Maso Ito versus John King. Um, Ross says in commentary that Ito is undefeated on Mid South Wrestling, which is actually a complete lie. So I don't know. If you, I don't know how much they've recapped this, but Ito basically had about three or four matches where he would go in, completely dominate the opponent. His first, his debut match, actually, funny enough, was against Rick Rude, um, and he chokes the people out and gets disqualified. Um, every week he's been disqualified. Then he won the first round of his TV title, the TV title tournament. And now Mid South have decided that he's undefeated. I don't really understand how. The, I think they've just basically like we're just going to forget that happened. Um, anyway, he he basically runs through his arsenal of chops and kicks before he wins for Splashing One Twenty Four. Um, what do you think of this one? Um, big fan of Maso, um, Ito, uh, Masawa Ito. Um, big fan of him. Uh, saw him last week uh, and thought that. Like, yeah, like the toe kick, like that toe kick. It, mm. It's just so different. It gives me like, it gives me like Haku vibes. Yes, um, yes. What great and, shout that is, yeah. And so that's why like, he's just like that unstoppable force. Like what's really interesting about him as well is even though he's a Japanese wrestler, it isn't like overly played upon, like the Japanese gimmick. Like he's just a really strong guy. Like, yeah. he's just a beast. He's just a monster. And, yeah, like, uh, I really love this. He he just seems like like the big, you know, the big Umaga type of character. And, yeah, big fan. I could yeah. watch some more of him. I've enjoyed him. The, I didn't like the, de- the disqualifications. I thought there was a way of, get, of getting to the same place without him losing the matches. And, obviously, they perhaps they've decided that they've, they've moved past that. Um, but he he has it really really strong in in his most of his um his matches. I think it's him and Taylor in a few weeks' time in the in the tournament. So that's 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 an interesting one to see where they go with that. Um, so next up is Hacksaw Butch Reed and Buddy Landell in a new tag team versus George Weingroff and Lanny Poffo. And um, Poffo um was being pushed um not too long ago. Actually, Randy Savage popped up 
on an episode of Miss South Wrestling. There's a whole thing with Mr. Wrestling 2 sort of basically saying to Poffo that your, fa- your family's awful, so you can't be trusted, and Poffo's sort of going out on his own. Um, but now, for whatever reason, his, his push um, seems to have ground to a complete halt. Um, and La- Landell and Poffo actually had a really cracking singles match a couple of, couple of weeks ago. Um, so R- Jim Ross in commentary says he wants to salute Bill Watts' number two son, um, I presume that's in age rather than his second favourite, um, Eric. So this is the first time I've heard Eric Watts' name on Mid-South Wrestling. And apparently he's just won the Arkansas Valley Junior High Heavyweight Wrestling Championship with a 17-2 and record. And what makes that really unique, apparently, is he also plays basketball. Um, and Ross says that whatever he ends up doing, he's going to be a great athlete. And Boyd adds that he's a fine person too. So, Fal, I'd really like to get your opinion on this. So about three weeks ago... Um, Bill Watts says that his son Micah was in eighth grade and Jim the Anvil Nightheart has been teaching him um, weightlifting techniques and he's increased his bench press record by 40 pounds, 210 pounds, that's 95 kilos to us, uh, at 14 years old. And I called bullshit on that at the time and I'm interested to hear what your your view on that is. So it could have been 13, actually. So 13, 14 is eighth grade in the States. So yeah, 95 kilos. I don't. I, I. I'm never really trained too much in the gym. Uh, a little bits and pieces, and I don't think I've got more than eighty. So I'm interested. What, what's your view, Bill Watts, liar or truth? Oh, I think it's just. I think he just kayfabe the numbers. Like <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't think that it's a lie per se. I think he just kayfabe the numbers. Like I'm just trying to know if he's kayfabe the age or kayfabe the weight. Like, yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought that's like, a different angle. I'd not thought about that. Yeah, but, yeah. But definitely, like, there's some, there's some like uh, WrestleMania attendance figure kind of number going on there. <laughs> like, that's, like, that, that's what I would say. But yeah, like, if it's okay, if but if we take it on the face value, nah, it's bullshit. Like, <laughs> I, 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 like I, I mean, for to, I guess for, I mean, we're talking about a 1984. I know that everyone's getting bigger, everyone's getting stronger, and like a 14 year old in. 2020s not the same times were harder back then times yeah were exactly times then. are harder but kids took on a lot more responsibility on their shoulders maybe that made exactly. them show like stronger i don't know oh, i don't think that's true <laughs> i'm reasonably obsessed with this to the point where i want to find michael watson on the internet and ask him um but anyway what did you think of this this match between um poffo and co here um uh, so so buddy landell so i'd heard about buddy landell before uh, another kind of thing that i'd heard about mid-south so he's a nature boy as well isn't he um yes. i was like oh that's interesting now like just going back butch was it butch reed or was yes. the other guy oh my god butch reed does beast big piece of beef there like so butch <laughs> reed like he he was like he almost looked like warrior like he yes. had that warrior vibe to him like really big guy really tanned like really tanned <laughs> really tanned and he also um he just seemed like he seemed really fluid in the ring as well like i had um i want to see more of him like just what he can do because buddy landell like it was 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 an interesting addition but butch reed just really jumped out at me uh lanny poffo uh he was a good wrestler back then i forget like you know he was he was good at aerial maneuvers he was yeah, doing he was. Again, which was different and was future thinking and forward thinking um the whole match great match great yeah match. i thought this was, this was really really strong actually um on on the subject of poffo if you've not seen it there's a match with him and hulk hogan on 
Saturday's main event. I think it's probably early 1990 um, that I would recommend because it's, it's really an, an actually, well, well, I was going to say one then, but I, perhaps I shouldn't give it. It was the spoiler rules or something that happened uh, 30 years ago. I'm not sure what the, what the spoiler rules are for that. But yeah, there's a really good match with those two. And Popper hit, like, he hits moonsaults and stuff in 1984 on this show, which is, I, I, I don't really get why he's not been pushed. Maybe it's his size, um, but you're absolutely right about Reed. A couple of weeks before this, he, there was a big angle with him and Nightheart, who used to be tag team champions together. Um, and Reed put an American football helmet on and hit like these two incredible looking, like running, diving headbutts to Nightheart across the ring that just looked just looked phenomenal. Um, Reed, Buddy Landell, funnily enough, him and Ric Flair actually feuded, I think, in late 18. 18- was it late 88 or 89 in WWA over the Nature Boy moniker? But I think, unfortunately for Landell, um, he was having some sort of personal issues at the time. And I think the overall feud was cut short. Um, so where are we? So ultimately in this one, um, Wine Groff briefly is on offense before Landell hits him in the back. Um, and Reed hits the jumping spear-like move. And then Landell follows up with a big elbow for the pin on Wine Groff. And lastly, we have Crusher Darso versus Steve Brinson making his Mid-South Wrestling debut. Um, Ross says that it will be Darso versus Magnetia in the fifth week of the TV tournament. And Ross says that Darso has come out with a vengeance following the embarrassment Volkov suffered last week. Um, and Boyd says that there's the big clash of the former tag team champions next week as well with Hacksaw, Butch Reed versus Jim Nightheart. And Ross assures us that the inverted commas girl wrestlers will be there next week. And Darso hoists Brinson up for the backbreaker submission television time runs out. And Boyd briefly runs down what's coming up next week and thanks Jim Ross for his expert commentary. So, Fal, what do you think of this this episode overall of Mid South Wrestling? Good, um, good. Like I was, I was really happy to see Butch Reed. Like, um, just like he just seems like one of those guys that you could build a promotion on. And yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. And what else? Like from this, I loved all the the Mister Wrestling Two stuff. Like all of that stuff with Magnum TA and just this ongoing story that I felt like I was dipping my toe into. Um, and, and yeah, the Midnight Express, yo, that, that music video, like if there's one thing that we're missing from wrestling these days, and like they, they kind of did it the other week on AEW um, Dynamite, which is just video packages on wrestlers that the WWF used to do it all the time. You just have like a random music video for like the undertaker and it would possibly just pop on, on TV every now and then. And it would kind of hype you up and remind you that these people are still around. And I, I think the production, like I've, I talked about my love for NWA power and like, there's so much in it that I see in NWA power now. Um, and just my general general thought over the whole of like seeing two episodes and having a chance to kind of feel what the vibe of it all is, um, it's great. Like it's a uh, thank you so much. Like it's no, uh, no, pal. Thank, thank you, thank you very much. We we might we must try and do this again again in the future definitely. Um, and before we before we depart, um, just tell everyone again where they can find you and what you've what you've got coming up over the next sort of few weeks and things to look out for. So, um, hi, oh, so oh, that was just me cracking my arms. Didn't mean to do that. Hi, I'm <laughs> Fal Original. You can find me on Twitter at Fal underscore Original. You can also find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash Fal Original Wrestling. Um, I also have a website, FalOriginal.com. I put stuff up there sometimes. Have a look. Um, I do watch alongs for AEW Dynamite, uh, all the big WWE, WWF pay-per-views, uh, and also NWA and 
AEW stuff as well, watch-alongs. And I will be doing a series on TNA, the birth of TNA, and moving on to the first show of TNA, and several different highlights from them all the way up to WrestleMania this year. And that's on YouTube.com slash Wrestling. Well, thank you so much. I had a great time going through this show. We, m- we must do it again in the future. Um, and yeah, really, really appreciate your time. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please head over to iTunes where you can subscribe and perhaps you'll even be kind enough to leave me a lovely five-star review, which would absolutely make my day. If you're interested in guest hosting, please contact me via the Mid-South Moments Twitter account, which is at MidMoments, and I look forward to speaking to you all again very, very soon.